1: Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week's guest is a familiar face or voice, depending on where you're consuming this podcast. Coach Todd Whittem is back with us, and we are going to chat about the differences between developing a player indoors versus outdoors and the inherent challenges with both of those things. So I think you are going to find our conversation very enlightening, very interesting. We kind of went from here to there to everywhere, but we came back to a central point at the end. So hopefully you will find this helpful as you are going through your own junior tennis journey with your child or a child you are coaching. If you have not become a premium member of Parenting Aces yet, we would love to have you join us. Just go to ParentingAces.com, click on the join button, and it will walk you through all the steps you need to take to become an active member of our community on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and of course, the podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Coach Todd Whittem.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
1: Welcome back to the Parenting Aces podcast, Todd Whittem. It's been a minute, but not a long minute, and uh, I'm excited to have you back on.
2: Well, thanks for having me once again.
1: Yeah, we're coming to the end of season 11. It's crazy. Um, I, I don't know how many times you've been on this season, quite a few, but we always seem to have really good discussions and always seem to... The, the discussions seem to be well-received by the Parenting Aces audience, so we'll just keep having them. But our discussion for this week is pretty timely, given that it's getting toward the end of October, weather is starting to cool off in parts of the country, um, not where I'm sitting currently at the moment. We're in a heat wave here in SoCal. but um, But we're going to talk about the differences between training indoors and outdoors and how kids can, you know, reach their full potential regardless of the conditions that they're training in and what parents need to know about the differences on those different pathways, et cetera, et cetera. So let's jump right in. Why, first of all, why did you want to have this conversation? Why did you feel it was important?
2: Sure. Well, I think it's very important for the parents and the students uh, to understand that that there are major differences in bringing up and developing a player indoors versus out versus outdoors. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. so I've had many students over the past 12 years that have come into, into my system, uh, coming from indoor tennis, right. And we've had to really adjust their games and really try to develop different things that maybe weren't being developed in an indoor arena. So I thought this was a great subject. And like you said, very timely as, I'm starting to get reports from some of our visitors, you know, our regular visitors, that they're starting to freeze. So I said, "All right, you know, we're, we're cooling down in Florida a little bit too." And today was 60 degrees, and we had a cold front come in. And we're going to have amazing weather in the 60s and 70s, I think, for the next, you know, seven to ten days at the minimum. Nice. So I said, so I was thinking, you know what? This should be a great topic to to speak about for our families that you know do come to Florida or or other warm weather climates to to escape the indoor tennis.
1: Right. So, let's start by just clarifying the fact that you grew up training outdoors. I grew up in Louisiana, always played outdoors. My son grew up in Atlanta, always played outdoors. Um there were a couple indoor tur- tournaments in the winter every year that we would go to and it was always a challenge to adjust to the indoor conditions having played outdoors all the time. But what what are some of the main differences between training indoors and training outdoors?
2: Sure. Well, I think there's a bunch, but you know, some of the ones that that pop into my mind. You know, and keep in mind that the first time that I ever played indoor tennis was when it rained at Kalamazoo, and uh, and they put me indoors in a doubles match, and I was 16 years old. Wow. And I started playing tennis at six. Yeah. Right. So you know, and and so so that was quite an adjustment. It was fast you know, in indoor tennis is, is interesting. You're not dealing with any elements wherever your, your practice partner, opponent hits the ball or wherever you hit the ball, that is where it's going. Right. And, and, and it's fast. I mean, it, you know, indoor tennis is more of a one dimensional type of tennis in my opinion, right. You know, it's more a bang, bang tennis. Mm -hmm. We have, like I said, we, we, we've had, you know, many students come, come into my arena from, from indoor environments. And a lot of times, you know, they're they're playing one dimensional tennis they don't have you know multi multi dimensions to their game right they need to learn maybe some defense they need to learn court positioning they need to learn you know variety of shots you know a lot of things that you know maybe indoor tennis really you know isn't uh is isn't conducive to all the time because it's so fast
1: right and so it really rewards the big server right or the big returner, if if they're not playing a big server, um, because and the points tend to be a lot shorter because, as you right. said, it's just you know bang bang and the points over, and you don't have the conditions, you don't have the wind, you don't have the sun, you don't have you know whatever other weather conditions. But I will say, the lights in indoor courts sometimes are very tricky and can cause a lot of um, depth perception issues. And, and we saw that even when they built the roof on Arthur Ashe Stadium at the U.S. Open. The first year, the players were kind of lost when they would close the roof because it changes the sound, it changes, you know, the lights are different. Um, when you have to look up at a lob, sometimes it's very difficult to gauge how high it is or how deep it is. And so it, it can be really tricky indoors too.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about two totally different things. You know, I mean, for me, you know, the, the first time, you know, the, the, the first times that I actually played a lot of matches indoors was actually in college, mm. right? I played for the University of Miami, but then we would travel and go to these cold weather climates and I took some losses. And I remember my freshman year at Miami I had four losses and they were to excellent players and they were all seven, six in the third. Were they all all indoors? Indoors. All of them. Wow. Yeah. Those four losses. So, you know, and and, and keep in mind for the viewers, there was no short sets or anything short. These were full matches. Yeah. Right. And I was holding serve and my opponent was holding serve and then they would maybe get a mini break or two in, in, in the third set tiebreaker and get me. But. You know, when those when those same players actually came to Miami, it was very interesting because I got them pretty good, yes. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so so it, it really is, you know, it's a much different game. And I actually myself became a much better indoor player when I was on tour. Mm. Right. And, and and there were certain parts of the season that that were indoors. And actually, the best tournament I had on tour was actually indoors, right at, at San Jose in California where I beat some, beat some nice players and had a good run at an ATP event. But you know, it, it took me and and I remember Pierre, you know, Pierre Arnold, my longtime coach, and he was teaching me how to play more first strike and you have to play with a great first serve percentage and you have to return really well. Mm -hmm. And your, your serve plus one has to be so good and you have to serve and volley and you really have to take it to the player. Because for me, You know, playing outdoors, I could work the point a little bit and I could use some variety to break down some weaknesses of my opponents. But indoors, it was totally different. You got to take it to the person, you got to play first strike, and you have to take chances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what does that mean for a junior player? Let's say you've got, you know, a 12 year old that lives in the Northeast and, you know, is used to playing indoor tennis for, you know, maybe five, six months a year, honestly, Um, and they are used to playing tournaments in their section. And then springtime rolls around or the beginning of summer rolls around, the weather's warmed up, tennis is moving outdoors. How do they transition from that indoor tennis to the outdoor tennis?
2: Well, I think, you know, growing up on both can be very beneficial if the coaches are doing a great job. Right. So if, if, if say half the season you're indoors and then the other half of the year you're, you're, you're outdoors, I would use, you know, and, and keep in mind, you know, when you're 10 or 12 years old, you're, you know, I'm thinking of development. So, you know, so, you know, for the parents that, you know, maybe don't see my stuff on, you know, social media or even on the Facebook parenting aces, you know, group chat and everything, I just posted on you know, developing a young player and, and about results and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when when you have young players and, and it's all about development and not so much about results, I would use the indoor season as let's work a lot on transition. Let's work a lot on your slice backhand. Let's work a lot on your serve and volley. How about re- hitting a return of serve and coming in? Let's play aggressive, right? And then maybe the other half of the year all right, now we can work on, you know, maybe the total game when you're outside, you know, maybe playing heavier over the net, using some angles, um, playing out the points better. Um, you know, maybe, maybe a high, heavy kick serve where, you know, indoors, maybe you're using more of a bigger serve and maybe more of a slice serve. Um, you can really, you know, use the whole year properly. in, in my opinion, if, if you're a coach, to develop many different aspects of that junior player's game, mm. does that always happen? No, <laughs> unfortunately, right. Yeah. I've had some players, you know, I've I've had I've had students come into my arena, and I was surprised that there were things that weren't developed because if we're talking about say a transition game or a slice backhand or a serve and volley, right? I kind I kind of laugh a little bit because those those things, you know those those parts of development are so conducive to indoor tennis, Mm -hmm. but the kids would come into Florida to train with Pierre and I, and we're working on those things, transition, serve and volley, slice backhand, first strike tennis, you know, hitting someone off the court with power, right? These types of things. But, you know, if you do have a great developmental coach, I think that they would understand these things. Mm -hmm. And, and, and you could really use different parts of the year to develop some great things for, for that particular player.
1: What in terms of the development, how does the, the weather impact teaching those types of things that you're saying indoor tennis is conducive to teaching? Is it because the court's faster? Is it because you don't have the weather conditions
2: or is it something else? I think, I think it's a combination of both. Um, what I can tell you is that, you know, I've had, I've had players come in, you know, from from cold weather climates and and indoor players, and they really use the court as speed. Like and what what I mean by that is, you know, they're using the speed of the court to add pace to their ball. Mm. So when I've trained these players, you know, individually or in my system, I had to teach these particular players how to really load up their legs and generate their own type of power to hurt people outdoors where indoors, it's so fast that you could place the ball and it would just skid off the court and and maybe be a winner. Right. And, and so that that, that's, that's much different. And then when they come outside, they're not hurting at all. So, Mm. you know, what, what's going through my mind is I'm developing these types of players is, are we got to make these players a lot stronger physically, but we got to make them very, you know, very physically fit, very strong. They have to really use their body most effectively and most efficiently they have to really accelerate the racket head they have to generate their own power and so i would go through all these different types of drills to for them to produce that type of tennis so they could hurt someone not only indoors but also in outdoors as well and, and also keep in mind when you're outside you're dealing with you know it could be heat wind you have to hit through wind you have to have strength you have to have power you know, indoor tennis is, you're not dealing with any of that. So it's, 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 it's a much different game.
1: So how do you teach a young player how to manage the elements when they come from an indoor environment and move to an outdoor environment? What are some of the, you know, tips that you give them or specific drills maybe that you would do with them to help them adjust to things like, having to toss for their serve into the sun or, you know, a windy day and having to understand how to adjust their ball based on the way the wind's blowing.
2: Right. So, you know, when when we start talking about conditions, right, one of my favorite, favorite things about outdoor tennis was actually playing in the wind. Right. And, and, and my students think I'm nuts. When You've I talked say this. about that
1: before on here. And right. okay. I, I okay. do not do well in the wind. I I mean, I've been playing for <laughs> I'm not going to say how long anymore, <laughs> but I've never learned how to properly adjust in the wind. And And sure. let's just say a lot of it is footwork. Right. When you're playing in the wind, you have got to be on top
2: of your footwork. Sure. Well, a lot of it is movement, but a lot of it is being smart. Not to say that you're not smart, Lisa. (laughs) I
1: I know what to do. I just can't execute. It's really frustrating. (laughs) Sure.
2: So, you know, you know, growing up, you know, for me playing tennis and and golf, you have to know the wind direction. The first thing when I walk on the court, it's already in my mind which way the wind is going, which side is better to return from, which side is better to serve from, you know, how I'm going to play this person, you know, based on the wind. You know, maybe if, if, if I'm downwind and I have the wind behind me, I might play higher and heavier. If mm. I'm into the wind, I need to drill it through the wind. Um, so, you know, these, these are all you know, great things to, to, you know, know and understand as a player. Um, the other thing is that outside in wind, the game is slower, right. And it's, right. and it's more physical and the rallies go on and on. So, you know, for me, when I was a professional, Some of, some of my best events were in pretty, pretty decent amounts of wind, right? Because it slowed down the serves of some of these monsters Mm -hmm. on tour that are dropping, you know, 130, 140 mile an hour serves. So all of a sudden they can't serve quite as big. I'm getting into the rallies, you know, I'm getting into their service games. I'm more solid from the back of the court and, you know, I'm using the wind and, you know, all, all these things, which may frustrate the other person. Um, so
1: I mean for the kids it's important to understand this kind of information because some kids you know they they go out on the court it's a windy day and all they think about is you know this is going to mess up my game I don't you know I, my strengths is this this and this and the wind's going to throw me off my game instead what it sounds like you're saying is the thought process ought to be how am i going to use the wind to my advantage to take away the strength of my opponent not how is it going to demolish me but how am i going to use it to my advantage
2: absolutely because you know for me as you know when 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 i was growing up and everything i always looked at tennis as like a, like a chess match sure right you know i was always you know and i'm teaching my students on a daily basis i was always looking for Hey, this stroke of my opponent or my practice partner looks a little weird, or, you know, maybe I can beat this side with power, or I need to, I can go soft and, and, and and play with less power, or I need to go really high heavy because I can't play above their shoulders. Right. So all these things were taught to me at a very young age Mm. on how to compete and break down opponents. And I was always studying the game. I, I found it very fascinating to figure out, you know, what, what the strengths and the weaknesses, you know, were of, of of my my you know my opponents but sure. even my prac even my practice partners, you know, I was brought up every drill was was if you were competing in a match, yeah. right? You're always training under pressure. So even when I'm hitting with my students now, um, I'm still looking, all right, there's the hole, you know, I can go after that. And I could drive my student nuts right now if I want to, right? Which is going to help them. Hopefully they become mentally tougher. And and they also know that other players, if they're smart, are going to play them this way. Um,
1: But so for a kid though, that that is only training indoors, they're not learning this type of information. I mean, they are, if they've got a phenomenal coach who is also going to be working with them outdoors when the weather permits, but let's be honest there, there aren't a lot of those out there. The most coaches that are working indoors with these kids aren't taking the time to talk to them and to teach them the tactics necessary to be successful once they move outside and have the weather elements to deal with.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's just the reality. It's 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 true. Um you know, I I want whether whether it's an indoor player or an outdoor player, I want the player to really understand the game. And understand their game and how they're going to be most successful. Mm. Right. And so, you know, whether it's a 10 year old and I'm looking into the future for, for, you know, for them to be thriving and peaking from when they're 16 to 18 years old, all these things are going through my mind about how to make a really great, complete player. Or when they're, when they should be playing amazing tennis, 16 to 18 years old, whether they're going to go to, you know, a great college or maybe even a professional career, right? I want them to be complete. So on a daily basis, you know, there, I have a whole checklist in my mind of what I want that player to accomplish. And so do the other pros that work with me as well mm-hmm. to really help that player, you know, for, for the future. I mean, that, that's, that's what, that's what we're doing.
1: But, um, but so let's say that, you know, Somebody watching this or listening to this, they live in a climate where their child is training indoors, maybe all year round, because that's what's available. Maybe, you know, they don't have outdoor courts nearby. Everything's indoors. What are some questions that the parents should be either thinking about or directly asking the coach to ensure that the child is being trained in such a way that their game will translate to outdoor play.
2: Well, I mean, you know, there, there are going to be certain tactics that, 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 that a particular player is going to need to put into play in, in matches. And also keep in mind that, you know, kids, if if they're trained well and they understand the game and, and the coaches are, are really mentoring and training them on a daily basis, they should have they should be able to incorporate multiple game plans in a tennis match to be able to win that match. It was mm. something I actually spoke about with my students today is that hey listen, if game plan a is working and it continues to work over and over and over again, you don't need to go game plan B, C, d right and, right, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you just you, you stick with it yeah, right um, Now, you know w- w- when I was growing up through junior tennis, Pierre would say, and and these are the best juniors in the country or in the world. I can't believe Todd you played the same game plan and your opponent never made an adjustment.
0: Mm. And
2: you see that all the time. The kids they're not thinking on the court. They're just running and hitting a tennis ball. Yeah. And they don't really understand what is going on. Right? They don't understand where their opponent is serving them. They don't understand the the tactics that their opponent, you know, is 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 playing with every single point. They they're not really processing what is going on and so that that's a big problem right most kids they're in clinics and they're taking lessons but are they really learning the game of tennis and it's a chess match and and you know what in the discussion i have with my students today is that you know the, the tennis players that you're seeing on tv they're continually thinking about their tactics and how to break down that person across the net right. many junior players Many times that's not even a thought. They're just running and hitting a tennis ball and, and learning really how to play the game needs to be taught. And, and many times it's not.
1: Is there a way to simulate things like wind and sun and heat when you're training indoors full time?
0: Mm,
2: or do you I don't just know. have to get
1: outside and you know, you have to get
2: outside and you have to understand how to adjust, you know, here's another thing. And and I, and I wrote, I think I wrote some articles for you, you know, some years ago, you know, you, you have parents, you know, that, that are coming down, you know, they're, they're coming from an indoor environment and then they want to come play a tennis tournament in Florida and they come down a day or two before and they expect their child to have a great tournament do well. And that's just not realistic. Mm. Um, sorry for the parents out there and they may have to take off of work or pull their child out of school or, you know, make make some, you know, make some, you know, arrangements and everything. I would say you need at least a week or two of training if you're coming from indoors and then coming to outdoors and keep in mind that transition from indoors to outdoors is a lot more difficult than say outdoors to indoors. Sure. Okay, that 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 transition that you know, and parents they do it all the time, right? They're they're going from indoors, and then they expect their child to come to Florida in in twenty degree winds, and maybe it's heat and physical fitness, and and, you know, also just knowing how to adjust your game. And they want their child to win, and they may be upset or you know, or, or confused of why they've been training really well. I don't understand why it's not translating. You're talking about apples and oranges mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, different types of surfaces and climates, you know, for tennis.
1: So for the families that that live in these places where indoor tennis is the norm most of the year, is it possible for those players to get to a level where they can compete with their peers who are training outdoors year round or most of the year?
2: Yes, they can there are excellent players coming from cold weather climates, you know, it could be the Northeast, it could be the Midwest. Um, There are excellent players all over the country. Um, They can, they just have to have a great understanding on, on the game and and be coached well and understand how to adjust their game and, and their, and their physical fitness and everything Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, really, you know, thrive in different types of environments. I mean, that's, that's called being an athlete, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is. I mean, being when, when, adaptable. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you, when you're talking about, you know, great players, maybe great juniors, or even great professionals, one week may be indoors, one week, one week, maybe outdoors, one week may go from hard the next week to clay, then it's maybe to grass, you know, all these different surfaces. Yeah. And you need to be able to be really smart and adapt your game and, and, and understand how to do that. And, but that's also coached right i mean great coaches sure. know how to teach their students how, how to do those things right
1: right i mean i get questions all the time from parents who you know are concerned because they live in a place where they don't have access to great coaching they don't have access to great practice partners for their kids you know maybe they live in a small town you know something remote um but We see good players come out of those environments. What's the difference maker there? You know, what if you've got two kids in two different small towns where, you know, the facilities aren't great, maybe the coaching's not great, there are not a lot of tournaments for them to play, maybe there aren't a lot of other kids for them to to practice with, but one kid finds a way to thrive and do really well, and another kid just kind of fizzles What's the difference? Is it the coach? Is it the kid? Is it the parent? Is it all of the above?
2: I think that some kids are just very talented, right? And they can maybe come out of a not ideal situation and make it work. Maybe they're really talented mentally, right? Maybe they're really talented with their eye-hand coordination. Maybe they're really talented, just tremendous athletes,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Um you know, it could be a game of numbers as well. If you have a mass tennis academy, and there's a hundred kids at a tennis academy, there are going to be some that come out that 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 are going to be phenomenal, right. you know, but I always look at, you know, at maybe the mid range students, or even the lower range students and see how good they are. That's how I base how strong a system or an academy is, mm-hmm. how well those players are doing, right? I may look at it a little differently, because I'm in that business, right? Right. But but you know, um, you know, I can tell you, you know, my, my, you know, from my, you know, personal experiences, you know, I was the type of player. Now people may see me playing, and you know, oh, Todd plays pretty well, and 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 all these things. But I was the type of player that I had to put in so many repetitions every day, thousands and thousands of repetitions. Things didn't always come that naturally to me. Uh, I had very good eye hand coordination. I had to work extremely hard. On my physical fitness, my quickness—I wasn't the, the most naturally gifted quick athlete. I had good balance, I had very good eye-hand coordination, but I had to work extremely hard at other aspects where some things may come naturally. And guys I played with on tour—they weren't working on those things. They were just God, you know, God-gifted talents. Right. And I was like, "Oh man, you guys, nice, yeah. <laughs> nice." But you know, there there are kids that I've trained that that they can take a week off and come out and strike the ball and, and strike it amazingly well. I was not one of those. Every day I had to go and yeah. hit hours <laughs> and hours of, of serves and ground strokes and tough training. And, and that's how I developed my inner belief and inner confidence as well. If I didn't get those repetitions, then I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna have results in tournaments. I knew it. and And I knew it. I knew what I needed. And so did my coaches.
1: So, I mean, that kind of begs the question, you know, if if there is a kid that has a gap, whether it's a talent gap, uh, you know, intelligence gap, uh, opportunity gap in terms of, you know, the the coaching, the facilities, in your opinion, is it the coach's job to recognize that gap and teach the kid how to compensate for it? Is it the parent's job? Is it on the kid and him or herself to to recognize that? Or is it a team effort? Because I just keep thinking about, like, if you have an eight-year-old kid who is not a talented athlete, you know, they're just not naturally gifted, but they love tennis and they want to be really good at it. And they're willing to put the work in. You know, it's just one of those kids who's willing to commit. But, you know, you as a seasoned coach and a and an excellent coach would see that kid and you would immediately say, Okay, we need to focus on movement because they're not naturally gifted this way. We need to focus on balance because you know they didn't come out with great balance. And and you would point that out. I would suspect, but in most environments, you don't have a coach that's doing that. That's taking that kid and understanding where the shortfalls are and where the extra work needs to go into.
2: So I love that kid that you're describing, whether they're eight of course or you 12, do. they're 15, because First of all, that 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 child and keep in mind, you know, I've had kids come you know, into my arena and, and some of them have been the best juniors in the country. Some have been the best juniors in the world. And it doesn't excite me to train some of them. Just keep that in mind okay. due to their due to their mentality. So first and foremost, I look at the mentality of that particular player, whether they're eight years old, 15 years old. Wu uh, Quan on the ATP tour, right? right? That that I enjoy, you know, helping Daniel Yu with as well. So, you know, if the if the student is willing to learn, right? Because there, there's there's really I don't know many players that are so perfectly put together, and they're just so no, god, they're rare. You know, Those are yeah, rare. They're, yeah, they're so god gifted, and you know, they're just so beautiful at everything they do. So I I love the aspect of spending the thousands of hours and molding that player not only their game but their physicality their mentality right these are all the things that that I work on with 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 the students in my system whether they're my full-timers or my visitors but I enjoy that right because mm. that's a that's a lot different than a lesson or a group you're really getting inside their head to really develop them not only as an athlete but as a player that excites me Mm. Right. So if some, if, 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 if a parent brought me, you know, their child who, you know, maybe they weren't the best athlete, maybe they didn't have the best eye hand coordination. I actually like that challenge to help that player get better. Now, maybe, you know, maybe it's a very low level type of college that they could go to maybe, you know, maybe whatever level it is, but I enjoy that challenge. You know, I I was thinking today that I really, you know, my, my business started with a student that was 15 to 18 years old. You know, and that I'd have spent thousands of hours with these particular students to fix and develop all these things. And and the student and the parent, they knew that it was crunch time and there was pressure. And I enjoy that. Yeah. That was that's good. Because now you know that student is really all in. They don't have a ton of time left to achieve their goals. And uh and you can really see some amazing development if you put in the time and effort with that player.
1: But that's I kind of the point I'm I guess I'm trying to get across is if you have a child who has these gaps, whatever they are, it doesn't mean that they can't achieve a high level in the game. It just means that everybody may have to work a little harder to find the coach that recognizes what work needs to be done. Um, The parents may have to put in more time and probably more money to help their child get caught up physically or mentally or whatever wherever the gap is with their peers but it can be done if everybody is willing to come together and and i guess that's kind of the underlying message of of this whole discussion Todd is you know there are people who will say well you know we live in a cold climate and my kids at a disadvantage because they only get to train indoors most of the year and You know, the big tournaments are held outdoors and they don't know how to handle that. And instead of using that as an excuse for why your kid isn't achieving what they want to achieve and what you as the parent hopes they're going to achieve, why not view that as a challenge to, you know, overcome and, and teach your child that life throws you curve balls right and left every day and you have to learn how to juggle and manage and and overcome those challenges right i mean to me this is such a it's such an opportunity to stop making excuses and start putting in the work and making the effort to find the solutions
2: well you are you're 100% right i mean as you were going through you know, oh, it's this, oh, it's that, I'm thinking to myself, that person's not a winner, right? What, whatever challenges you have, you're going to try to figure out solutions to overcome those challenges, right? I mean, you know, I mean, or you can just go the other way. I mean, so yeah. what do you have in your heart? And what is your mentality, right? And, and and I have students that, you know, that maybe, you know, make an excuse here and there, and I get on their case all day long. Mm. That's that's not acceptable, you know, and it's not acceptable for your life. Right. I mean, to make excuses and not be mentally tough and not be a go getter. Like I, I, I can't relate to people like that, whether it's parents or students. Right. And so I think my students understand that. Right. And, right. and, you know, I well, mean, and I think that's just,
1: if if you're going to make the commitment for your child to be in a competitive sport, whether it's tennis or Even whether it's academics or the arts, you know, if you're going down that path of excellence, excuses aren't going to help achieve the goal. In fact, they're going to undermine the goal, right? You can't make excuses, you have to find solutions. And I think, again, going back to where we started with indoor training versus outdoor training, that's just one of the cards you've been dealt. And you have to figure out how to make it work, despite the fact that you may view it as, you know, a a setback or, or something that makes it more difficult. So what? There are going to be plenty of other difficult things that you have to face along this journey. And it's all about figuring out the solution and then taking the next step.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's very simple. You want to be a winner. You want to be a loser. <laughs> right? When, right. When, when, I was losing those matches in college, I wasn't thinking, Oh, I'll never be a good indoor player. Oh, I'm just unlucky. Oh, I'm so unfortunate. I grew up in Florida. Oh, these players have much bigger serves than me. Oh, I keep losing seven, six in the third. Oh, I'm just, you know, Oh, I'm just the most unlucky person alive. Right. Now, I was thinking, how can I win this match? How can I return better? How can I read their serve better? You know, they keep, they're serving 20 and 30 aces a match. How am I going to be able to combat that? And how can I figure out where to return from in my return positions? And, you know, how am I going to, you know, whatever, try to break them down and all these things. And so all those things are going through my mind, you know, hopefully not over overthinking, which I was, you know, there were a lot of thoughts going through my mind as I was playing tennis and you know, and and competing and a lot of things going through my mind, you know, while I'm training players now. Um, but, but there are always like always solutions. There were, there was, there was never feeling sorry about yourself or the cards that have been dealt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of us tend to fall into that trap of, you know, whether it's the parents saying, Oh, well, you know, this was unfair because this kid's a foot taller than my kid. And, you know, well, that's life, right? (laughs) I mean, it's just the way it is. And I think for the kids, the sooner or the younger that they can start to understand that there is no such thing as a level playing field. It's just not how the world is set up. And so what you have to do is, figure out your strengths and figure out your opponent's strengths and then come up with a solution for using your strengths to overcome theirs. And that's how you get ahead. And, and I, you use the term win, winner and loser. I don't necessarily like using those terms, but successful and unsuccessful, right? If, if you want to be successful in tennis, in school, in a job, then you have to be a problem solver.
2: Yeah, of course. Right. You're going to have issues and, and things that that come about all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and so either it's going to wear you down or you're going to overcome it and get stronger. Right. I mean, that's just, you know, you know, just dealing with, you know, everyday life. Right. Right.
1: And so the kids that are training indoors right now, You know, this is a great time to take advantage of playing indoor tournaments. You know, use your strengths because you've been training in that environment and you know how to maximize your game in that environment. Hopefully your coach is teaching you that. So play the indoor tournaments all winter, you know, get the match play in. And then when it's time for tournaments to return outside, make sure, as Todd was saying, make sure you give your kid a chance to have success by, by giving them time to readjust to the environment that they're going to be playing in. Don't just drive down to Florida or fly down to Florida the day before a tournament, when you've been training indoors in a controlled environment for the last three months, give your kid a fighting chance, give them time to adjust, to get used to the weather, to get used to the wind, the humidity, whatever it is. And, and, Set your child up for success that way. That's what you can do as the parent or the coach if you're taking the kids. But the kid, him or herself, has to also be willing to put that energy into getting used to the new environment, getting used to the weather conditions and all of that, you know, and not feel like I'm at such a disadvantage because I've been training indoors, (laughs)
2: you know I mean yeah I mean you're you're right I mean you know everything everything is a progression and 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 the beauty about tennis is that the results you know they never lie right I write that as a hashtag right on my post whether it's training or tournaments right you're always getting feedback one of the things that that I'm teaching my students right now is that every single time that you hit a tennis ball, right? Whether whether it's good or not so good, that shot gave you feedback, mm. right? And then if you're trained well, you should be able to instantly correct that to make it better by the next shot, yeah. right? So and it's that, learning that's to hot. pay
1: attention to the feedback, right?
2: Learning to recognize
1: right. it and use it.
2: Right, so yeah, and so that that's something that, that we're, we're going through a lot of drilling and stuff with, with our students currently. And so what you see with junior players is that it takes them a long time to recover. They may make the same mistake or just mistakes in general with the same type of shot five, eight, ten times. Mm. And that's that's not acceptable if you're well trained, right? Everybody makes mistakes, but they correct them instantly if they're if they're a really a high level player.
1: Right. But at the same time, you know, you can't expect a 10-year-old to respond the same way that you would expect a 16-year-old to respond. And and I think this is part of it too and listen, I was completely guilty of this when my kid was playing. But, you know, I hear from parents sometimes of very young children, well, you know, she just gets frustrated when she misses or she's double faulting a lot in the matches. Well, she's 10. You know, let's keep things in perspective here. This is a journey. This is a process. So what you hope is that every day is a little bit better, but it, the little bit may be, you know, itsy bitsy. It may not even be noticeable by you as an observer, but maybe the child is, is feeling that improvement or maybe, you know, the coach, if they're paying attention, you know notices the improvement and can point it out but you know let's keep our expectations in line with where our kids are emotionally physically age wise all of that as well because otherwise it's just going to be a headbutting thing and nobody's going to have any fun
2: right well i mean from from a parental perspective understand that you know it's it's a marathon and not a sprint especially when you have a you know a youngster 8 year old 10 year old but also keep in mind that as a parent you're going to experience everything <laughs> the good the bad ain't the that ugly. the truth you know your 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 son or daughter is double faulting um you know they're missing all these routine shots and you as a parent how could this happen they're choking they're you know maybe playing a great match emotionally they're up and down um you know they check out for long periods of time i mean all of this is the process and very painful i understand (laughs) very painful you know process of bringing up a player to really maximize their ability and parents i know they're trying to put their child in a in a great scenario, to help their child achieve what what they would love to achieve, but as a parent, you're gonna go through so many different things, and so much of it is a roller coaster. So you, so as a parent, strap in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and try to be as as stable as you can.
0: Yeah.
2: Right, because it's gonna happen, and you're you're not gonna understand why. And the coach may not understand why certain things are are happening because, you know, you just don't know, you know, as this player is developing mentally and physically, it could just be a crazy roller coaster. And maybe even the child can't even understand it sure. right until until they're mature. Typically, right? the children know.
1: don't understand it. And that's where right. their
2: frustration
1: starts. Right. And so our job yeah. as the adults in the room is to. You know, keep the expectations in line uh, with their maturity and the stage of development they're in, and also to keep our own expectations in line with with where our children are developmentally. And wow. and it's tough. It's tough. I mean, you've got a son now competing in golf, so you're seeing the parents' side as much as you're seeing the coaching side with your tennis kids, and. You know, it is a very, very tough thing to go through. But at the end of the day, it is so joyful to watch your child learn these skills and get really good at at something, whatever that something may be. It's, it's so rewarding. And they feel that intrinsic pride of accomplishment that... You know what a gift to give a child to allow them to go on this journey, to go on this path, and try and be their best selves. I mean, I just I think it's phenomenal. So, um, even if you live in a climate where your child is playing indoor tennis all the time, don't get frustrated by that. Use that as a learning opportunity to help your child understand that when you face challenges. You got to dig deep and find a solution. And the solution is typically somewhere to be found. And maybe you need to consult with somebody like Todd. Maybe you need to consult with somebody like me to, you know, just help you understand what the options are. But the solutions are there and and you just have to put the work in. And if your child's willing to put the work in, hopefully you as a parent are willing to support that and put that work in as well.
2: Yeah. Couldn't have couldn't have said it any better.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, Todd, I, anything I'm anything I we're missing here, because I, I think this is an important conversation to have. And, you know, it's um it is that time of year where people are struggling. And, you know, what do I do? It's so expensive to train indoors. And I get that, you know. And if you have opportunities to go to warmer clients, kudos to you. That's awesome. But not everybody has that. And so you just have to make the best of it. And quite honestly, if it is a struggle during the winter months and your kid's not 16, 17, 18, but younger than that, let them play a different sport for a couple months. Let them play basketball or volleyball or something else that they can do indoors that's not so expensive and and will complement the tennis when they come out the other side. I mean, that's also an option and we didn't really touch on that today.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I, I get, I get, you know, parents contacting me all the time, especially at this time of the year is that I can't get enough indoor court time for my child to be training well enough to be, you know, having great results in yeah. tournaments that, that, that's, that, that's a reality for many, many families, right? You know, Sure. so, you know, you, you have to make the best out of every situation. And, uh, and, and keep plugging along. That's just what it's about. And we
1: love the cross training. So, you know, it's a great opportunity for that as well. And gives your kid a break from the stresses of tennis. Um, Maybe they'll come back fresher, ready to really grind and put the work in. And you'll feel nice having that little break. And yeah, it's a win-win. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
2: absolutely.
1: All right, Todd. Well, it's been fun. Thanks for chatting with us again.
2: Absolutely. It's yeah. been a great one. All yeah.
1: right, um, take care. Enjoyed speaking with you as always. To my audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.